return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to kind of continue on this, uh, the power of a godly routine. We all have routines, right? Things that you do every day, maybe a certain times of days and so forth. Uh, uh, athletes, athletes will have routines. And so they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, of course, they practice and so forth. They prepare. But also, it's interesting, uh, athletes say game, there's a game day. And a game day, you, you follow the same routines. Even down to the su- things where you put the right sock on first, then the left. <laughs> You dress a certain way all the time and so forth like that. You do it at certain times. You eat at certain times. You eat certain things. It's a routine that is almost religiously followed. And, and they do it just, just that's, that's what they do prior to a game. That's what they do to know they're ready and so forth. Uh, God is a God of routine. Hey, it wasn't a surprise today that the sun rose. And anybody shocked by that? No. Isn't surprised that tonight the sun will set. No one's surprised by that. Isn't surprised that we're in a summer season. And the summer season, you know, like here they might say the dog days of summer when every day is just hot or whatever, uh, that that happens every year. We serve a God of routine. He's a God of order. He's methodical. God is very methodical. And uh, sometimes when people have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they say, I just want to be led by the Spirit. And sometimes for some people, it's like, I just want to do whatever I want to do as if that's God. And that isn't God. God is a God of routines. So the Holy Spirit will always guide us in very methodical ways. Not, not that something might not happen that we're not aware of, like, wow, look what happened. But he's guiding us all the time. Now in Genesis, in Genesis 1.14, when it talks about some of these routines, it just says, let there be lights in the heaven, got the stars, got the moon and so forth, rotating around the earth, very, very cyclical and so forth, very common. Uh, there's day and night, there's signs, there's seasons, days and years. All of these things show routines. Genesis 8, verse 22. In the same manner, he says, well, the earth remains seed time and harvest. Uh, it was fun today. I was just driving it in. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, look at the tassels on the corn, you know. And uh, uh, also, all of a sudden, the field, rather than just green, is kind of getting a little bit of that golden hue to it. Or looking on a wheat field, just as golden as ever. And I'm thinking, wow, this would be a good time to harvest that before any wind comes, you know. But, but seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter, summer, day and night, shall not cease. So as long as we're on this planet, we're going to have those things. Now, what does this mean? Who set that in order? God did. God set those things in order. He's methodical. He has routines. He's a planner. He set the stars there. People are still discovering stars like, wow, this is so big. Well, God, it'll, it goes on really in, infinite. And so you're never going to exhaust the things of God. He's a wonderful God. So when you see these things, you can also rely, replay it or put it in your life, all right, as far as routines and so forth. Godly routines are good things. Luke chapter 4 Jesus went into the synagogue uh, on the Sabbath, and it says, as his custom was, it was a routine. So when Jesus grew up with his mom and daddy and so forth, he went into the synagogue on a weekly basis, if not more, as his custom was. It was a routine. 
And when he went in and so forth, then this particular day he stood up to read and so forth. So he had a custom, coming to church. You're here today. Thanks for coming. It's a good, it's a good routine. It's a good plan. Amen. That's why it's a good plan to come as often as you can. Amen. To gather together with other people. And it's good to be together with other people because iron sharpens iron. So when you're with other people, and I know some of you can't join us physically today. We bless you. But for those here, it's just good. You talk face to face. You share things. And maybe someone will share something with you that can really help or encourage you in your life or vice versa. You can share something with somebody that can help them in their life. So routines, church fellowship and so forth. Prayer, worship, all of those are good routines. I think Joseph had routines because even when he was sold by his brothers and thrown in the pit, then he goes into Potiphar's house and he prospers. Then when he leaves Potiphar's house and he goes into the prison, he prospers. He was, he was, even though he's a young man, he was a person that had routines. Godly routines will help you through tough times. They help, they'll help you when things are difficult. They'll help you to stay free in the spirit. Joseph obviously had a routine of forgiveness because his brothers who hated him wanted to kill him, actually. So think of this. He has blood brothers who want to kill him, and yet he forgives them, and he holds no awe or bitterness. Nor did he when he was betrayed in Potiphar's house. Nor did he when he was in the prison and forgot by uh, the, the butler as far as, as far as coming into the palace again. So he had a routine of forgiveness. Routines are good. You should set your, set your switch here, forgiveness, have it on all, all day long, every day. Routines. Forgive, forgive, worship, pray. Daniel chapter 6, Daniel had a routine of prayer. And so even though they passed a law that said he could no longer pray to the Most High God... He did what was normal to him. It's all right. So there was a writing that was signed, but he still went home. He goes to his upper room. He opens his windows. He's not ashamed of the gospel. And he kneels down and he prays. And he did this three times, three times a day he would pray. And he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Now, this was a custom that he followed for years. All right. Daniel is, is someone that, that will show us that good habits will help you through tough times. Everybody, everybody on the planet and everybody listening to me has either been in tough times or is in tough times or will be in tough times. This is just part of life because we live in a fallen world. So if we have routines that will help us, like shock absorbers, to flow through life in victory. And not to come to the end of the life where maybe we're angry or bitter or whatever. We no longer pray or no, no longer pray or no longer fellowship. But we're people that still love God. And actually, it should be that way that in the older days of your life, you're flourishing. You're living in revival, which I love living in revival. So that what? So that you can encourage younger people to live in revival. Amen. Amen. The older teaching the younger should be real common. So Daniel knew, as is custom since early days, he had done this for years and years and years. He built habits that even though a law was passed, it didn't even phase him. He's still going to do it three times a day. He's going to be praising God. See, sometimes we're so conscious of all these other things that if we don't have a routine, the other stuff will start steering your life. The world today, folks, is all messed up. So we got all kinds of things. In so many ways, it's all messed up. So unless you have an anchor and routines in your life, you'll end up messed up too. Lots of Christians, they're like, they're like play, old game for old people, but they're playing pinball machines and they're just bouncing off stuff. All right? So boom, this happens. Booms, then they react this way. Boom, they react this way. No, no, the Christian life is actually very steady. The Christian life is not a life here, 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 here. Not that way at all. The Christian life is a steady life. It's a steady walk of faith. And it is that way when you have godly routines. So wouldn't you, guess what? God already knows tomorrow's headlines. God already knows what's happening six, six months from now or next year or whatever. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. So nothing shocks him. Sometimes we get news to us, not news to him. 
So if we're in the Holy Spirit and we're just following the Holy Spirit, something can happen. Oh, did you hear this news? It's like, mm, just straight. You're steady. Turn to your neighbor and say, good to be steady. <laughs> you don't have to get emotional. You don't have to, you know, be alarmed. You don't have to be alarmed by anything. The Bible gives me all the news I need to know about the last days right here. All the, the wars, the rumors of wars, the famines, all the different things, all that. And we see birth pains happening now. None of this is new to God. None of this should be new to a Christian who knows their Bible. We give a Bible reading schedule every year. And of course, it's easy to get one on your phone or anything. But that becomes a routine. Just like, more than likely, some of you, or most, most all of you, ate something this morning. Why did you do that? It was your routine to eat. Maybe a breakfast. Right? You just do it. It's a routine. The same thing spiritually. We're in the Word. It's just a routine. It's a routine that I'm going to be in the Bible. It's a routine that I'm going to listen to the Lord. It's a routine that I'm going to write down things that He's talking to me about. So, so therefore, my life can be steady in spite of everything else going on. Amen. He wants us to be steady. Why? Because when the world falls apart more and more, they're going to need Christians sharing the love of Jesus. Who are not flipped out by the world. No, they're just steady looking opportunities. Boy, here's an opportunity to share. Here's an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. But if we're all acting like the world, they're not going to recognize anything. Oh, yeah, you're acting that way. Oh, you go to that church? Yeah, well, I go to this church. I don't go to all. It doesn't matter. You're just like me. No, we shouldn't be just like the world. We should be the city that's set on a hill, a light that is seen by others. So that people can look at your life at work or wherever you're at and see somebody like, why are they so calm? Why are they stable? Why are they not upset? Why are they not angry? Why are they happy? Even Daniel, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh no, look at throw me the lion's den. Oh no, he wasn't that way at all. You see a guy who's just steady. He's a guy who said, he didn't know the lions weren't going to eat him that night. He was just ready to meet the Lord. If, if he ate, they ate him, they ate him, but they didn't eat him. Amen. Isn't that even the three Hebrew children that's going to be thrown in the fiery furnace? They said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down and worship that God. But you don't see them like gnawing their fingers. What should we do? What should we do? It's not an issue. We just believe the Bible. Right. These aren't even they're not even prayer points. Lord, direct us now what we should do. Bowing to that image. It's not even a prayer point. If you know the word of God, there's stability. It's good. Amen. It's good. Godly routines will help you through tough times. Thing I always say, to fail to plan is a plan to fail. Thank you, Loren. That's right. To fail to plan. Many spirit-filled Christians are just flowing loosey-goosey. So no plan and no victory. I'll guarantee you. I'll guarantee you now. As I've lived almost 70 years, I'll guarantee you no victory. Just watch their life. There can be here today, I guarantee you, no victory. You plan to walk into the Spirit. Amen. It's a plan. It's a routine. It's something that you do day in and day out. It's a book written like in the 1960s, Hummel, The Tyranny of the Urgent. The tyranny of the urgent is that people are driven by less important things. And all of a sudden, these, all these things need to be done in the process of the day. And they cause people... To be less fruitful. Isn't that right? So because they're doing the things that aren't important and the things that really are important, they don't get done. It's like if the object lesson I've had one time with the big jar and to fill the jar, if I had the big rocks and all the sand, if you pour in the sand, you can't get the big rocks in. But if you put the big rocks first in first in the sand or first in the jar and then pour in the sand that comes around the big rocks, you fill the whole thing up. The things that are important. There should be routines, important routines in our life that shouldn't be moved. People say, I'm really busy. I really don't have time to be with the Lord. You don't have time not to be with the Lord. 
He said, I, I, well, I have to get up early. Then get up a little earlier. Get up a little earlier. Jesus, different times, would get up a great while before day. Disciples rubbing their... Where's he at? Boy, we had a late night last, last night. Where's he at? He's out praying. That's why even when, when, when uh, uh, Lazarus had died, it's always, always so funny, you know, how the world looks at this, let's say the Christian world. Jesus wept because, because he was such a friend of Lazarus that he was dead. That's why Jesus wept at all. He knew that he was dead. It's all corny the way people don't look at Scripture. Jesus knew days before because he was in prayer. Lazarus is dead. He went, finally, the disciples say, we're going to go see him. And stuff. Well, he's, if he's fine, we don't need to. And he says, he's dead. Told him up front, he's dead. It wasn't news to him. He was weeping because the people were in unbelief. Especially Mary and Martha, the two that he spent time with, didn't believe that he was the resurrection of the life. That's why Jesus groaned in his spirit. Remember, he comes to the tomb, and they say, they say, and, oh, Lord, he stinks. He, you know, he's been dead four days. He stinks. And Jesus groaned in the spirit. Like, oh, okay. He knows all that. He's, he's just walking here. He's got routines. He was a man of routines. Nothing surprised him. He was ready for every circumstance, every situation. So what do you what do you want to do? Well, you want to focus on growing your faith, right? You want to focus on building your marriage. You want to focus on if it's your finances, do something with your finances. I can talk. I can talk to all kinds of people. Yeah, I'm really concerned about finances. Yeah, I really should say. Yeah, I should do better. Five years later. Yeah, I'm really concerned about my finances. I really should say. Finally, they get older. I should have done something back when I was 20 or 30. Or 15 years ago when you talked about it. Should be routines in our life. You get paid, you get paid, you honor God, you save something. Hear that word save? You honor God with what you get paid, you save something. How often do you do that? All the time. All the time. Doesn't matter how much it is. All the time. You honor God, you save something. Routines. So if you focus on growing your faith, you focus on healing or your marriage or saving financially or a healthy lifestyle or all these things like that, that's what you do. An athlete doesn't train. An athlete doesn't train two days before the game. He's training all the time. It's either running or lifting. Nowadays, everybody lifts. You know, in our days, Kurt, you might remember this too. People say, oh, don't lift. You don't want to be bulky. Now you see, you see basketball players. They're just buff, you know. All kinds of people. Track. The guys running track last night, and then they show the, the, the slow motion. They're coming down, and their thigh muscles are bulging, and their shoulder muscles are bulging, and, you know, coming down to the finish line. They're just built. That didn't just happen. They train. They had routines. They still have routines. You should grow old believing to be healthy, which means you should walk. I mean, I maybe don't run like I once used to, but now I can still walk. Amen. I can still do things. I can still stretch. I can still prepare myself. Amen. So we do this. We do that. We live this life this way, because if you don't see an answer, if you don't see an answer, you're still living in the routine. If I don't see somebody healed, that doesn't stop me from praying for healing. See, a lot of people pray, they pray, and then they come to this conclusion, if they're not healed, well, then it must have been God's will for them not to heal. Or if I didn't get my answer, then it must have been God's will. But if you're believing something according to the Bible that's good, amen, that deals with you or your marriage or your kids or anything like that, if you're believing according to the word of God, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't change the word. You should allow the word to change your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances mess with your life. We've all had circumstances. Something didn't turn out as we prayed or believed or so forth. It doesn't change the Bible. It's not, it's not like I can say, my faith was perfect. It should have happened. Why didn't it happen? No, no, we're growing. Everybody's learning. That's why we always tell people, if you're alive, we're praying for your healing. If you die, we're having a celebration. 
you know. Our brother Dave knew that and so forth. And, and, and uh, we celebrated his life. But it doesn't change the word of God on healing. Healing is good. Healing is the children's bread. Healing belongs to you and I. God wants to bless your marriage. Amen. He wants your marriage, your vows to be till death do you part. Right? Not till I don't feel like it anymore. Or not until I fall out of love. We didn't fall into love. You made a choice to love. And you make a choice to stay married. Amen. You make a choice. Well, it sounds very spiritual. No, but it's very accurate <laughs> to the Word of God. Too many people just flow by their emotions. No, no, let's flow by the Word of God. Amen. Let's flow by that. So the world, Luke, or Hebrews 11, the world's refrained by the world. So we want word. We want to use the word in our lives. Amen. You want to frame your world by the Word of God. You want to frame what you're doing in your life by the Word of God. Now listen now, I'm talking about godly routines. So there's routines that if you haven't started, you should start. You should start. You should begin to do things methodically in your life for Christ. And I'm talking about your growth. I'm talking about your development. Things that are just fixed. Things that are just there. I always appreciate it when people get to church and so forth. And sometimes people say, well, you don't understand when we have kids or we don't understand we have this. We had a sick daughter for years. When did we plan for a church service? We had a routine. We planned on Saturday night. On Saturday night, everything was laid out. Clothes were laid out. Things were planned. What time we were getting up. We knew we had to do bandages and all kinds of stuff. What was going to happen in the morning? So we were there early. We had a routine. You don't accidentally end up at work on time, do you? No, you have a routine. You plan to get there. Hopefully not speed, but you plan to get there, to be there on time, to punch the clock at the right time, and so forth. Isn't that right? The importance of the time bank even, being on time. Being on time should be a routine, right? Right? I remember I remember at a job one time in Sioux Falls, and I was in... Had a customer service, big sporting goods company and so forth. And in particular morning, there was snow and there was ice. I'm driving from one end of Sioux Falls to the east side of Sioux Falls. And I get in and I, we had a punch clock and I punched the clock and I was like two, three minutes late. And the lady said, well, you're late. You, you docked 15 minutes. Yeah, but I'm two minutes late. No, you docked 15 minutes. But, but it was icy and it was this and that. You should have planned ahead. And I was upset. You know, I've just graduated from college. I was 22. And, and I thought, I went in, actually went into the coffee room. And I thought, well, I'm going to have not, not paid for another 15 minutes. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Sitting in there stewing and so forth. And I realized, you know, wait. This is, this is the way it is. Who's going to change? I'm going to change. When do you arrive at work? Early. How do you, if the weather's bad, then start earlier. <laughs> Isn't that right? This, this is how life works. You plan. Say plan. You plan ahead. You, you know, it wasn't rain, raining when Noah built the ark. Hello. It's like a hundred years when God gave him the word and he worked on this thing for a long time. He didn't have all your modern tools. So that the day it rained, he was already... Having animals finished, it was finished and in, and who shut the door? God shut the door. Plants, routines, help you through tough times. They just, they just, they just do, amen, if you, if you follow it and so forth. Genesis 16. All right, let's, let's look at this a second. Genesis 16, verse 16. Here's a scripture. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. Now, some of you heard this, this the other night, too, but this is the last verse in Genesis 16. Now, let's look at the first verse in Genesis 17. The first verse says, now Abraham is 99 years old, and the Lord appears to Abram and said, I'm, I'm the Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Now, we end chapter 16, he's 86, we start chapter 17, he's 99, it's like, oh, 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 where'd that 13 years go? 13 years difference. 
13 years difference in Abram's life. 13 years. Now, remember, he had gotten the promise 25 years. He's 75 when he got the promise. But now here's a gap after Ishmael. There's a gap of 13 years. What's Abraham doing? What's he doing? He's living a normal life. Hey, I got news for you. Most days are normal. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most days are normal. That's life. Sometimes we want every day is like spectacular. What's he doing today? What's going on? (laughs) Well, maybe he's just talking to your heart. More likely he is because he's a conversationalist. He loves relationships. So 13 years pass. And in that 13 years, you have to understand, Abram's running a business. He's the Bill Gates of his day. Very, very wealthy in gold, silver, cattle, sheep, everything else. Very, he has servants. He has employees. He's got a corporation. So he's running a business. And he's married. He's got a wife. Other than Ishmael, has no more children and so forth. But he's loving his wife. He's worshiping God. It might look like it's very mundane. Like, wow. He's a father of faith. Looks, doesn't look exciting to me at all. And that's how it appeared. Doesn't appear real exciting. Doesn't appear like, woo, look at the Holy Ghost move. No, you don't see that at all. He's just loving God. He's worshiping God. He's running his business, managing his employees, making money, doing things like that. Might look tedious, boring, repetitious, whatever. But there's power in a godly routine. But think about this, 13 years, 13 years, a lot of people can hardly wait 13 minutes, you know, 13 years. Now, what do you see in Abram? You just see steadiness every day, every day, every day. And he didn't know. In the meantime, you know, his wife's getting older. He's getting older. Have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? Talking to you. Well, you're not getting any younger, let me tell you that. You know, people kind of get freaked out like, oh, oh, there's a gray hair. As if, as if that never happens to people, you know. It's not a tumor, it's a gray hair, all right? It's not a tumor, it's a gray hair. Or, or people like, I'm losing hair. It's not the end of your life. Trust me, it's not the end of your life. But you live your life in a manner, you live your life for the glory of God, managing your house, you should manage your house, amen? Amen. You should manage your house for God's glory. If you're in business, manage it for God's glory. Everything you do, do it for God's glory. Have habits of worship and praise. These are habits you have. I don't need the Lord to tell me, Dave, read the Bible. He doesn't have to tell me that. If you love Him, you'll keep His word. Right? You just do that. I don't need to say, worship me. Man, he's my savior. I want to worship him until my dying breath and then I'll for eternity in heaven. He's my savior, the savior of my soul. Amen. It's not like, Dave, Dave we're, oh, today's a word to worship. And it always is. Or we can call it, call it prayer, but let's just say it's always a day to be listening. Always a day to be listening. Always hour to hour. Sometimes people just think, all right, I got down on my knees. Now I did my, my prayer time and so forth. And then they're off and don't listen. Well, folks, now there's times you have a set prayer time. But listen, all day long you ought to be listening. All day long you ought to be talking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody pull up the light. Who? Someone honked at me the other day at the light. Because why? I was kind of in that world. And I'm hook, hook, hook. They really were. I don't know how long I stood at that green arrow, but they were tired of waiting. I pulled ahead, waved. They passed me, waved. But I was in another kind of another world. I mean, driving, but also talking to the Lord. Good habits. Amen. Say good habits. You want good habits. So 13 years, 13 years, 13 years. Wow. Routine. Write this down. It's a sequence of actions regularly followed. Athletes do this all the time. Wow, it's just fun. To this day, I 
remember things, and then I watch athletes, how they do things. Sequence of actions they regularly follow. Sometimes they call it a fixed program. Routine is usually a series of things that you do at a particular time. Routine is also practice of regularly doing things in a fixed order. How many know God does that, right? Sunrise, sunset. Sun isn't going to set, by the way, today here at 4 o'clock. Let me just tell you that. All right, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Synonyms, synonyms for routine might be average or common or commonplace. This is so average. Thank God for average. Amen. I never go by a hospital that I'm not lifting my hand and praying for the people in the hospital. One, that I'm not there. And two, for the people that are there. If you've lived in hospitals long, you want to do that, right? What's the purpose of the routine? The routine gives a structure. Structure! Hallelujah! Boy, i got to really hurry. But let me just say this. Just look down at yourself a second. Now look at your neighbor and say, thank God for structure. Now the beauty of structure is, the beauty of structure is bones give you structure, right? And so you, you, you don't look at someone and say, boy, look at those bones. You don't look at them because of why they're covered with, with muscle and flesh and everything else. But it's the bones that give you the structure. You didn't have bones, and who, get, who made bones? God did, right? So, and aren't you glad that, that it's all normal? You know, I'm not walking around with a third arm out here. You know, you're wondering which arm to shake because you've got two right hands. You're not, no, you, it's all normal, right? He gives you structure. These are godly things. You just, I look at everything about this like structure, structure. This, all, this is all God. It isn't spooky. The Holy Spirit isn't spooky. The Holy Spirit's a person who talks to us and he works in orderly ways. Amen? It, means be like, it could be like this. You're, you're, you got your grocery list and so forth, and then the Holy Spirit says, and remember that gospel track, because you're going to see somebody in the cereal aisle that needs a word of encouragement. Amen. Oh, now that's a word, isn't it? It's like a little treasure. You write it down, and coming down the cereal aisle. Oh, and there he is. You know... You plan, you, if you get up, you plan a message, right? Now, God wants to deviate. He can deviate, but otherwise you plan a message, right? It's like, it's like when we do things in service. When we first started the day, someone would play a song and then stop and wait. I said, what are you doing? I'm trying to listen to the Lord what the next song is. I said, look, I think he knows on Wednesday what you can sing on Sunday. Rather than we all sitting in silence and waiting for somebody to start kumbaya or something. Let's just, let's just let's sing and then we can flow from there like a car. You start it, you put it in gear, and then you start steering it. But you get in gear. There's a process you follow. So they have a purpose for routine. And when do, you do, when, do you, when do you start a routine? Well, you just decide to start a routine. Whatever you want to do in life, you start a routine. We have financial routines. We have health routines. We have all these routines that we do. Why? That helps us to be blessed in the Lord. Decide a routine, which should include Bible study, more Bible study probably, more worship, more prayer. Amen. Set small goals, not big goals. I'm going to read through the Bible this next week. Eh, don't do that. How about a few chapters? Let's start there. Set small goals. Lay out a plan. Good deal. Amen. Be consistent with your time. Be prepared. Make it fun. Track your progress. Got to track your progress. That's why, you know, when you look at a target and there's all these circles, you know, concentric circles around to the bullseye so that you can see to even hit it. Or like I said the other night when we took high school archery, did we even hit the bale? You know, someone over the bale, someone slid under the grass in front of the bale, trying to find the arrows. And if someone hit the target, it was a big deal. And each time you kept aiming and you'd adjust, let me aim a little higher. And let it go. Right? That's what you do. That's how you, that's how you accomplish things. Now, Abram, let's look at Genesis 2. Genesis 18, verse 19. And I just want you to see a couple of words there that they say. I know him. All right? Now, who's, this, who's saying this? This is God saying this. And this is prior to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were wondering, how's Abraham going to take this and so forth? And you know he interceded for the cities. But, but here's something the Lord says to him. He says, I know him. 
And the question is, is how, how well do you know God and how well does he know you? Well, he knows you. But in this case, he's saying, I know his character. I know how he's going to uh, lead his family, his children, his household. Now, remember, at this point, he didn't have any children yet. Okay. So he says, I see his heart. So I see the man that he is. Routines, his children, his household, all that. They're going to keep the way of the Lord. Judgment and so forth like that. So God is just saying, I, I know who this guy is. Thirteen years, nothing happening. Now let's go to Romans chapter 4 quickly. Romans chapter 4 gives us a window into Abraham's routine. In verse 17, he, just 70, 17, he says, He calls those things that be not as though they were. So Abram, not getting any older, looks himself in the mirror, and he would just reaffirm the promises of God in his heart. Doug, I like that about you. You reaffirm the promises of God in your heart. You know, sometimes things can look one way, but that doesn't change the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God doesn't change based on how we feel, what we see. It doesn't change. The world's reframe of the Word of God. So he, he called those things that be not, even though he wasn't a father yet, even though his body looked dead, but, I, but say, thanking God for healing, thank you, God, for restoring my health. Called, looked at Sarah, thank you, Lord, for touching my wife. You know, he's old, she's old, ceased to be after women. Verse 18, he says, he stood against hopelessness. So, so contrary to hope, he believed in hope. To become the father of many nations, according to what, what was spoken. So, against hopelessness, he stood. They weren't getting any younger. But he's going to stand in faith. Now, it isn't fun, it isn't fun to stand when things don't look good. Our daughter was sick for 12 years. 12 years. I love it. In the meantime, we, pray, we had some prayer meetings where people got healed overnight. Cancer and so forth. We think, and I was upset. Because that doesn't make sense. My daughter's sick. They're healed. Why? That doesn't make sense. And I was upset about it. You know what he said to me? Didn't say a word. Listen, God doesn't have to answer us. He doesn't have to answer our questions. He doesn't have to sit there in a news conference and explain this to me. Doesn't have to do that at all. He's not obligated to that. He gave us his word and his word is true. And so basically, he'd already told me, pray for the sick. He already told me, healing is his will. And so basically, my choice was, rejoice. Hallelujah. But we stood for 12 years, and that wasn't fun. And at times, different times, my daughter was not well. I mean, almost at death's door. I mentioned the other night, being at the KU Medical Center, and they... they told us after running all these tests, this is the University of Kansas Medical Center in Kansas City, the nation's leading physician was there. And she met with us, and she sat down at a table with another doctor as a witness, and they said, your daughter is in the worst category of anybody that we've seen. She could die at any moment. She had congestive heart failure as a little girl. Her heart was twice the size of normal. Explained all the things. They said, do you understand? They said, I think so. And then they said, we don't think so. So they told us the whole thing again, because they thought we'd break up and all that. They told us the whole thing again. And they said, do you understand that? I said, I do. They said, there's something you don't understand. Amen. I said, our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. And I said, I appreciate all that you're doing to help us, everything, but our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. And I said, they said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, we're probably going. They said, well, she should be in the hospital. I said, well, can you do anything for her? No. I said, well, then we're going to leave. And we picked up our little girl in our arms. We took her. We laid her in the back seat, positioned her with blankets and so forth. And we went to church in Kansas City where we had friends. And we kept praying and we kept believing and kept standing. We had routines. Routines so that in spite of what medicine or doctors or somebody else said, our routines didn't change. Kept worshiping the Lord, drove all home Kansas City, worshiping, praising God. Repeated the test two weeks later of a, her heart, heart exam, and two weeks later, she wasn't totally healed, but her heart went back to normal. Amen. From twice the size to normal size. And they said, wow, this is what Kansas City said, this is what we've got here. Yeah. We thought, well, hallelujah, brought her back from death's door at that time. Amen. Routines. 
We, we did that. We did that for this facility. We rented for nine years. So we got up with a little Honda Civic every Sunday morning, packed the thing with equipment, drove, drove to the place, unloaded it ourselves, set up the chairs, set up the equipment, set up the sound system, ran the sound system during the service. We did it for nine years. Every Sunday. But now we're in this place. What do we do, though? We're just routine. I do that. People, some people ridicule or scoff. Really, you know something? Never the world. It was always, it was always the religious people that ridiculed and scoffed. The world didn't at all. We just saw somebody yesterday, knew us, and they, they marveled. Knew us from afar for years. Kind of marveled at what God had done here. Routines. Say routines. You have plans and so forth. People say, you'll never make it. People say, never going to happen. Routines. This land out here, this corner property land, we believed for that for years. Larry knows about that. He was on the church council at the time and so forth. Believed for that for years and so forth. There was a businessman in town, met me downtown. He, says, he looked at me and says, you'll never get it. I didn't say yay or nay. I said, we'll see. And we got it. And it's ours. Routines. I was diagnosed with aggressive cancer. Believe for eight years fighting cancer cells. Eight years. Most people in this church didn't even know it. Not because, not because we didn't talk about it, but we talked about prayer meetings here and we prayed every week. Amen. Most people didn't come. Stood for eight years. Eight years. Got this. You got this. Now we have to do this radiation oncology. Now we need to give you this drug. Now we need to do this. Stood eight years. That doctor today says, you're my miracle man. There's no way you should be alive. There's no way you should be smiling. There's no way you should be here. I'm his miracle man. He talks to other people to give him hope. Why? Routines. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, folks, you got to live it. Amen. You got to live it. All the people in the Bible, they're living this way. They're living this way. You know, when they found, when they found uh, what was it, Philip again and his daughters and so forth, and they're all virgins and they're living for God, routines. Plan for it. Live for it. Amen? Verse, where are we? Verse 19 here. Verse 19. So he stood in faith. Not weak in faith. 13 years. If people looked at Abraham and said, there's the man of faith. They say, are you kidding? He's a good businessman. Loves his wife. A man of faith. He's the father of faith. Yep. Because the things that you don't see are things that people are doing in private. The things that you don't see about a tree are the roots that are underneath the ground. The things that you don't see about a structure is the footings that are underneath the ground. And no one ever, you know, if you buy, you buy something, what are they looking for, really? You have rooms, rooms are rooms. They're looking for cracks in the walls, cracks in the foundation, and what it's set on. You can have the most beautiful house. Poor foundation, worthless. Foundations, amen? Things you don't see are very important. Roots under a tree, very important. No one goes to an oak tree and says, boy, those are good roots down there. Wow. No one thinks that way. But that's important. Very important. He wasn't weak in faith. Didn't look at his own self. Didn't look at his body. I don't look at my body. You know what I mean? I go shave and say, quit looking at yourself. Let's, I feel good. Amen? Didn't look at himself. He's about 100 years old. He didn't look at Sarah in the deadness of her womb. Like, it's not going to, devils are not going to happen. Let's look at the next verse, verse 20. Now, this is what he's doing. This is the window into Abraham's routine. This isn't, this isn't what he did when he was 98. This is his life. This is his routine. This is what he does. He didn't waver at the promise of God. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I think he was a worshiper. I think he was a worshiper. He's worshiping all the time. Amen. Like Paul and Silas in jail. It wasn't like, hey, if we keep doing this at midnight, boom, the jail's good. The doors are going to come off. No, no, they just did it. Why? Because they're worshipers. Amen. It wasn't like, uh, and we know there's a book written someday. It's going to say what happened here. No, no, they're going to worship. And the next day they're thinking they might be dead. So what? We're going to worship God at the midnight hour. In spite of our blood and sores and everything, we're going to worship God. That was their routine. So I'm not worshiping God because I feel good. Everything's going great. I'm going to worship God on the bad days, 
bad reports, don't feel like it, going to keep worshiping God. Routine. Say routine. And, and let's just go, verse 21 then, it says, fully convinced. What he was promised, he could, I just think, oh, thank you, Jesus. Fully convinced, you know, so, you know, believing for healing. It's not, it's not easy believing for healing if, if all the day long you see your daughter sick. But you keep believing, and maybe there's the next prayer line you keep believing. Today is the day of salvation. Not looking at tomorrow, next week, or whatever, believing today. Amen. Always putting your faith in the present. Yes. Amen? Yes. Don't have one more night with the frogs like, like Pharaoh did. You know, I'll do that tomorrow. No, no, how about today? Amen? So Ephesians 6, here's a quick, quick few things. The full armor of God, but let's look at Ephesians 6, 11. You stand. You stand against the devil's trick. Say stand. stand. Now stand, stand involves, does not involve inaction. It involves that you're doing something. You're standing. You're positioning yourself. You have routines. You're standing against the lies of the devil and so forth in the spiritual battle. Verse 12 says there's spiritual battles. And this all relates to the individual. All right. It doesn't. We're not talking about things way out there. There are there are forces that just fight against us. That's what it's talking about in verse twelve and verse thirteen. Then it says, "You stand in the day of trouble." Well, we we live in days of trouble. We live in days of trouble today. We don't know what will happen. Anything in the world. And folks, let's face it: the United States is still the best place in the planet. That's why everybody's trying to get here. You know, because <laughs> it's the best place in the planet. But we. In an evil day. We live in troubled times and so forth. But you can stand in the midst of that time. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can stand. You can stand in victory. You can stand with Jesus. You can stand in faith. And verse 14 reiterates the same thing. These are things that Abraham learned, that we learned, people in the Bible did and so forth. But they're walking in the truth and they stand, they stand in the truth. With this breastplate of righteousness. They stand with the shield of faith. They stand. They're positioning themselves for victory. Not sitting. I'm standing. I'm ready for what God has. And let me just close with this last verse in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. After you've done the will of God, don't, don't get rid of your confidence. Don't look at your circumstances. Keep the word of God. The word of God always trumps your circumstances. Go by the word of God. So don't throw away your confidence in what the Lord has done. Has a promise of reward that you have need of patience that after, after you've done the will of God. Say, you've done the will of God. But they still don't see the answer. They've done the will of God. They've done all these things. They did it. They did Pastor Dave. I've done all those things, but I don't see the answer. Stand. Don't stop. Stay in your routine. I don't think I'll spend time with the Lord today. Mistake. Keep the routine. Keep the routine. Keep the routine. Keep the routine. Doesn't matter what happens. Going to have a routine. Bad report, routine. Good report, routine. Not way up here. Not way down here. Steady. It's one of the things we put. We publicly published in the paper for years and years and years. Steady walk of faith. We're not roller coaster Christians. We've been through roller coaster things with emotions and health, but we stand strong in faith. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do this. After you've done the will of God, you're still standing to then see the promise. When will I see it? I don't know. When do I stop praying? Don't know. Not, not until there's a manifestation. But God gives us the grace. God gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit shows us things all the time. And, and, and yes, modifies things in our life all the time. But it's for His glory. So routines, the power of a godly routine helps your life to be blessed. In huge ways. Huge ways. Sometimes you might think, well, I'm, I'm young, yeah, someday I'll try that. But now, listen, folks, now I'm getting older and I realize the value of it all through our lives. Had a lot of troubled days, had difficult times, had all kinds of stuff. And yet, we're still standing. And yet, we're still here. And yet, God is good. And yet, you know, your legacy to your children or your grandchildren, what are you presenting, you know? Now the grandkids always know, well, Nani's going to pray before we do anything, you know, can be whatever. And it could be kids, their friends, even everybody knows Nani's going to pray. 
Could be Muslim kids. Nani's going to pray. There's just an example. There's, there's just things that happen all the time. It's a routine. It's a good routine. The things of God are good. Amen? You don't want to get bored. And I just think, again, sometimes spirit-filled people, they manufacture something like, all right, we're going to make this happen now. If you understand the word, it'll help you to live in patience, victorious every day. I still eat hamburgers. God only knows how many hamburgers I've eaten in my life. But I still enjoy them. They're not dull, boring. You know, I'm not concocting. Let's fix a dandelion stew or something. Let's do something different. And... Or so, someone brought me to a restaurant one time. So Christian, you know, and broadening my stuff. And, and they ordered me sushi. And I got it down. But it's like, that's not part of my routine. Sushi, sushi. Now, my son loves sushi. I, I don't. I wouldn't cook. And I kind of said to he said, how is it? And I said, kind of like it cooked. You know, throw a little butter on it or something, you know. Just fry this thing a little bit. You know, but routines. So I'm not, I'm not bored of things in life, nor should we be bored of Scripture. Well, I've read that before. Well, go read it again with a new pair of eyes. Because it's good. Every day... Every day, it's good. Every day can become like, mm, this is delicious faith food. It's what I need. He's always helping me, and he'll help you. Amen? So let's lift our hands a second. Father, thank you. From here to other places in the world, good news is going forth to help people walk a daily life in victory. Thank you, Lord, for godly routines. Routines in your word, routines in prayer, routines of worship, routines of fellowship, routines, Lord, just in your presence, enjoying the day. Lord, thank you for godly routines. Thank you for blessing people here, blessing people online, Lord, that listen, Lord, that share this even with other people now. Thank you for blessing people with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. You are doing wonderful things today. We are alive in the best time of history, I think. The time that people dreamed of, Lord, we're here as your lights, as your witnesses to tell others of how good you are. So, Lord, help us. Help each one of us. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to be aware of our witness even this week as we see people, as people pass us by. Everybody needs the Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for just moving in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Reach out and bless your neighbor. Amen. Bless your neighbor. Tell them how good God is. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.